It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, which single skill will make or break the season for each member of the Toronto Raptors? We begin a multi-part deep dive into that very question with a look at Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, and Gary Trent Jr. It's all coming up today. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, September the 21st, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now going on 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter or X or whatever the hell site we're going to move to eventually at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. Follow there. I don't think that's going anywhere. Plus, we're on Discord. Come hang out in our listener community. A great little spot to come hang out with the sickos just like you who can only think and talk about the Toronto Raptors. Also, we got like baseball talk in there and video games and movies and all sorts of fun stuff. So come hang out. We'd love to see you in there. And just so you know, like when the season comes around that's where my like in-game thoughts and takes and observations are going to be going so if you want access to my sort of running dialogue in my brain during games the discord's the place to be we'd love to see you join our little family over there uh if the link in the description has ever expired just shoot me a dm and i'll get you the link uh, really quick. Okay. Uh, today's show, you can also find, uh, along with all the other episodes of the podcast, for free. And if you're a podcast apps and on YouTube, please follow, subscribe, rate, review, uh, all the good stuff that we ask you to do. It's all free to do, and it makes me feel very good inside. So thank you in advance for doing that. Okay. On today's show, we're beginning a multi-part series that I'm going to roll it over the course of the next few weeks, looking at swing skills, the single skill that each player on the Raptors is going to have to refine, improve upon, pull from thin air, and start to deploy in their game to really make this season a success for them. And I think it's uh, probably smart to start today with the more interesting developmental cases on the Raptors. In particular, Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, and Gary Trent Jr., who I've included in here, despite him being like 24, 25, like he's not maybe necessarily one of the youths on the team, as it were, but I still think he's kind of viewed like that by a lot of the fan base. His age suggests that he still has some development to do, even if I kind of think he's a little bit more what he is and what we've seen him to be but there are a couple things he can work on and a couple skills that if he figures it out like hey there's something cooking there as far as Gary Trent Jr. is a long-term piece 
on the Raptors. Of course, he comes into the season as a pending UFA after opting in over the course of this past summer after realizing he wasn't getting paid on the open market. Uh, we're also going to talk about Precious Achua, as I mentioned, uh, and some stuff you can work on. But we're going to start today's show with the most important player. And, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that Scotty Barnes is the dude we're going to kick things off with when it comes to the look at swing skills that we're going to do over the course of the next couple weeks here. And... I mean, it's obvious why he's the guy you start with. He is the dude from which everything that is good or bad with this team this season will probably flow. He is going to be the bellwether for this Raptors team. And you can start in a lot of places looking at swing skills for him that could make the difference, right? We've talked about his defense. I think his on-ball defense is going to be a pretty important pivot point for his game this year because he's going to be asked to guard smaller players quite a bit one would think if he's being deployed as a point guard either as a starter or as sort of like the second unit operator if, if Dennis Schroeder is starting whatever is going to happen Scotty Barnes is going to have the ball in his hands a lot and he's going to be matched up with opposing point guards something he's had a lot of trouble with in the past so that's one thing you could focus on you could look at sort of maybe just the refinement and the craft of the point guard position and figuring out the reads you know he's been a very great passer his entire career we know this he has un unbelievable vision he can make passes that nobody else on the floor can make or even see but sometimes it's kind of really nice passes for the sake of really nice passes and it's not exactly in the interest of like driving a possession forward and getting good looks for his teammates um you know some guys aren't even ready for his passes sometimes and maybe that's on scotty to kind of realize the limitations of his own teammates vision etc etc so that's a skill you could look at as sort of a main pivot point but for me it's very clearly Mid-range shooting is going to make or break Scotty Barnes this season. You know, we can get into three-point shooting if you want. I don't even think that's realistic to throw out there as a skill set or, or a swing skill for him because he's not actually shown any capacity to hit threes through his first couple of seasons. That's not to say he can't get there sometime down the line, but you got to walk before you can run. And I think Scotty Barnes figuring out how to hit two-point jump shots is step number one to figuring out the long-term three-point stroke. He may never be a very good three-point shooter. You can survive when you're not that, when you have other stuff in your game to offset it. But right now, Scotty Barnes doesn't quite have that. Figuring out a mid-range game would very much go a long way towards fixing that issue and at least giving Scotty Barnes an avenue to easy offense in the half court when he has the ball in his hands, when teams are very clearly going to go under screens on him, they're going to drop their bigs back on him, or they're just going to switch bigs onto him and dare him to blow by them, which he hasn't had a ton of success doing in the past. But this is going to be a situation where Scotty Barnes is going to have to learn how to adapt and, and sort of figure out ways to score when defenses are not going to give him the benefit of the doubt as a shooter. Let's go back to some of his numbers from last season just to kind of illustrate how grim it was for Scotty Barnes from the mid-range last season. And I'm, you know, qualifying mid-range even as like floater range for him. Like anything between five feet and the three-point line, that's got to be his office this season, and it just was not last year. If you look at some of the numbers, as a pick-and-roll ball handler last season, 0.69 points per possession, 18th percentile in the league per NBA.com. That suggests uh, not a ton of options when running a pick-and-roll as far as avenues for him to create his own offense because the defense doesn't care. They're sagging off of him. They're letting him shoot, and he just was not shooting well at all from anywhere last season. As... Uh, shooting from five to nine feet last season, 
per NBA.com. He was 88 of 206, 42.7% from that floater range. Really bad. That's down from 46.9% as a rookie, where he looked super encouraging from there. From 10 to 14 feet last season, he was 26 of 84 overall, 31%. Very bad, down from 36.4 in his rookie year. And from 15 to 19 feet, that long mid-range, 22 of 69 from the field last year, 31.9%. Bad, down from 38.2% the season prior. So drop-offs across the board from every area inside the two-point arc, uh, inside the three-point arc. Also at the rim, he fell off uh, pretty significantly as well. He was still an above-average rim finisher, but not nowhere near what he was as a rookie. But we're talking about that sort of mid-range area right now. And it was just, it was not a good season for Scotty Barnes from that range. And if that continues this season, it's going to be a long year for the Toronto Raptors. He shot 25.9% on all pull-ups last season. Extremely, extremely bad. Not what you want. Um, You know, say what you want about Fred Van Vliet, but Fred Van Vliet shot 33.6% on four and a half pull-up threes a game last season. That is just something Scotty Barnes has not even dreamed to even flirt with in his first couple seasons. And they haven't replaced that pull-up volume. Pull-up shooting is what unspools the opposing defense. It makes the big have to worry about the shooting option from the top. It makes the, the pick and roll coverage different. It opens up passing lanes. It opens up baseline cuts. All this stuff, if you have a real pull-up shooting threat that teams have to worry about, it's going to make everything easier for you on defense. And right now, Scotty Barnes doesn't have that. That said, I kind of went through the numbers there. There is a track record of some promising results from the mid-range for Scotty Barnes. And so as far as like my optimism that this swing skill comes and sort of you know plays out in a way that benefits Scotty Barnes and the Raptors this season I'm reasonably optimistic it's going to be hard like teams are going to dare him to shoot teams are going to beg him to shoot frankly and it's going to be on him to learn how to carve up that space that they're going to give him and really kind of make that I think that 10 to 14 foot range is really going to be it for him right you you know you run a pick and roll you have him with the ball in his hands the big's going to drop back into the paint We saw last season that he was able to chew up that space, right? When he was playing as a small ball five, no one's guarding him. He could use that sort of runway that the opposing big was giving him to get ahead of steam and go score over dudes. It's going to be harder when he's got the ball in his hands and there are extra defenders to worry about. You know, when he was getting the ball last season in those situations, it was because it was like the result of an action getting the ball to him. He's going to be the one who's initiating the action now. And without the pull-up shooting that Fred had on, you know, on display last year, even with it not being a very good season overall from Fred, that pull-up shooting was the sort of agent that got everything moving for the Raptors' offense when they were at their best. And so Scotty Barnes is going to have to figure that out. You know, again, do I expect he's going to go and be a 40% mid-range shooter? Do I expect he's going to be DeMar DeRozan next season? Absolutely not. But he has to be better than what he was last year from mid-range. Otherwise, this offense is going to be as ass as we all kind of think it might be in our sort of worst daydreaming or day-nightmare situations. It's just, uh, it, it, that is the thing. The, the, the mid-range shooting has to come along. And look, again, there's a little bit of track record here to suggest that last year might be an aberration. It was a weird team context. The team made no sense. The offense was unimaginative. All of that. And Scotty, as a rookie, had those moments where it's like, oh, God, second game of his career, he's banging in mid-rangers and threes against the Boston Celtics off of pull-ups. And it's like, oh, we might be cooking with something entirely different than we thought we were cooking with here. This is exciting. 
We didn't see that last year. This is going to be a pretty telling season, I think, as to what the shooting upside for Scotty Barnes from the from the mid-range is. And look, if he has, you know, intentions of being a superstar one day, guess what? All of the best players in the NBA have a mid-range bag because that is where teams are going to funnel you. That's where teams are going to dare you to shoot because it's the least efficient shot on the floor. And the best players are the ones who can make that their office and make it an efficient spot on the floor. Scotty Barnes has to do that this season. That is his biggest swing skill, without a doubt to me. And I'll be fascinated to watch how, if, he, if and how he can bounce back from a really, really rough season from that area of the floor last season. Coming up next, we're going to get into Precious Achua and why it's not just three-point shooting for him that's going to be the swing skill. It's kind of a little bit of a bigger picture thing than that. We will examine that in just one moment. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about Jace Medical right now. Jace Medical are offering empowerment to people who don't want to be caught unprepared. Everyone should feel empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing doctor consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com promo code Locked On. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for being an everydayer of the show. Of course, we've been back to the daily schedule this week. If you want to go check out previous episodes, go do that, huh? Yesterday's show with Chelsea Late was excellent as we dug into the Dame stuff. We dug into the players we're most excited to watch this year. Uh, and as it turns out, a lot of overlap between those players and the dudes we're talking about today, swing skills-wise. So uh, it might be some nice synergy to go listen to that episode as well. Um by the way, part two of this exercise will go tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. Let's uh, dive in now to Precious Achua and the swing skill that's going to make or break his season. And for me, I know the easy one is three-point shooting, right? You go back to 21-22, the back part of that season, the glorious 50 games where he shot about 37 38% from deep on like four attempts a game. It was beautiful. It was like, oh my God, this guy with the defense he brings and this catch-and-shoot three-point ability out of nowhere, this guy's a player. This guy's going to be like a core piece for this Raptors team. Obviously, last year didn't go so hot. The three-point shooting completely cratered. And that's one thing that's going to have to come back for Precious to really stick around long-term, one would think. But I think it's a little bit bigger than just three-point shooting for Precious. I kind of think 
it's his spot up play in general that needs to be way more refined. As we've talked about before, Pressures at Chua is not a center. I think we can throw that out the window. Yes, he can sort of moonlight as a center at times in, you know, in smaller lineups and make it work. He's got pretty decent rim protection numbers over his career. We know we can switch on to just about any player in the NBA. There are times where you can play him at the five, but he doesn't do center things. He doesn't screen very well. He is not like a huge rim d- deterrent presence because he's only six foot eight, six foot nine. He's not massive. And frankly, his defensive abilities are better used on the perimeter than around the rim, in, in kind of my estimation at least. Um, and again, he yeah, he just like he doesn't do the stuff that you want from a center. He doesn't make reads on the short roll very quickly. You know, he's not gonna be someone you can run four on three advantages with, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think this has to be the season, and I think it's likely this happens, that his role gets defined as 3 and D wing type, right? I think just you got Jakob Pertl playing 30 minutes a night. You're going to have Christian Coloco needing some developmental minutes. You're going to have to play, I think, a little bit of Scotty Barnes at the five just because he's really bloody good at it and really effective there. And so he should slide in there in smaller looks. I'm sure Pascal will get some run at five as well. And there's just not going to be a ton of minutes to go around at center. And that's also before you include Chris Boucher, who is probably more of a center than Precious Achua is, even if I don't think either of them are really centers. And so I'm hoping that this season, and I'm hopeful for this for a reason, like I actually feel like it will actually come through because Darko Ryakovic, his whole thing is we're going to try to amplify the things that players do well. This is a thing that he's talked about in public forums, like picking out the skills that guys do well and lean into that. Just have them really kind of hone in there and sort of use that as the basis for a player's development. And the stuff Precious Achua does well is on the wings. Obviously, the switchable defense is nuts. You know, pairing him, you know, with an OG and OP on the wing or a Jalen McDaniels or whatever, like you're going to have a pretty impenetrable wall of switching ability when Precious is on the floor playing in a wing position. And of course, going back to that 21-22 season, his best stretch as an NBA player came where he was kind of working as like a 3 and D wing type, where he was taking a lot of threes, he was attacking off the catch when he could. And so for me, it's not just the three-point shooting, it is the spot-up play as a whole for Precious that really needs to be refined. Last season was not a very good year for Precious on spot-ups. 2.4 spot-up possessions per game, scored 0.92 points per possession, 28th percentile in the NBA, so just about in the bottom quarter, bottom third easily. Um, You know, that's not very good. There are reasons to have a little optimism we'll get to in a sec, but some other stuff to kind of flag as some red flaggy stuff when it comes to his work as like a 3 and D D dude. On his drives last year, you don't want to have a 3 and D wing role player type who's turning the ball over a ton. And that's the thing he did a lot last year. 13.6% turnover rate on his drives, just way too high for a guy with his low amount of volume and a guy who's not really being asked when he does drive to like make plays. These aren't turnovers of commission where he's trying to spot a pass in the corner and throwing an errant skip pass and it's wailing out of bounds or it's, you know, getting picked off as he, as he tries to throw a pass to the wing or or a dump off pass that gets bobbled by the big. A lot of these are just precious Achua losing control, kicking the ball out of bounds, right? Like we, we know exactly the story here with precious and his worst moments. And I think that's a, a big thing kind of standing in his way. If he's going to refine this, this spot up game that I think needs to be a big part of his repertoire. Um, you know, 
the, the problem for him has always been kind of the journey getting to the rim. It's not scoring at the rim. At least it wasn't last year. He had a pretty significant jump, and this is where the optimism comes in, right? He was 73.4% at the rim last season. That's really good. It was like a 13 or, or 12 or 13 percentage point bump over his previous season and his career averages before last year. Like, he figured out how to score at the rim. He figured out how to use his incredible like bodily control and his strength to absorb contact and still finish that's really encouraging you pair that with the three-point shooting and then yeah you're just kind of trying to bridge the gap between the arc and the rim and that's where things get tricky and so again this is why the whole sort of spot up thing for him is is important you know i've thrown around the norman powell comp a lot it's not identical obviously norm's a way more explosive scorer and just kind of a a way more refined shooter just different types of players obviously different sizes etc etc but similar idea is kind of what i envisioned for precious at his peak which you know norm was not asked to make plays when he was driving right he was a play finisher he was a dude who was going to punish out of out of position defenses that were shifting as a result of advantages created created elsewhere you know think back to how many times norm powell would get the ball in the corner against the milwaukee bucks and just drive right to the rim and dunk on a dude or put up a corner three or whatever it might have been like it was a very much a, just like a streamlined shoot a three or drive and dunk on a dude that can be precious if he can figure out how to put two dribbles on the floor to get himself to the basket. This is all part of being a good spot-up player, is making those quick decisions and doing those sort of rudimentary things with the ball in your hands. You know, I think he has, like, the dexterity to have a decent handle. I don't think he's, like, out there like Stanley Hudson in Season 1 of The Office, just, like, dribbling it around with the open palm. Like, he actually has a little bit of it. It's just not there enough. And, you know, there's a reason we call him the poster coaster here on the podcast. He is a roller coaster of a man who throws down cool dunks when he's doing it well and uh, is really kind of rocking your core and shaking it to your insides if uh, it's not going very well. And there was just far too much of the latter last season. He's got to be able to figure out a way to bridge the gap between getting the ball on the perimeter and finding a way to put it in the bucket. I don't think he's ever going to be a great playmaker. It's just not really in his bag. But when he's making those quick decisions, and they're very rudimentary decisions, it's shoot or drive, I think he can get there. And we've seen when he's doing that, he's optimized, and he's a low to deal with. He's really tough to corral. His first step is incredible. He's unbelievably strong and athletic. We just haven't seen enough of that. And, and, and you know, I think I talked about this in the mailbag on Tuesday where I was asked about players who were going to struggle in, under Darko Ball. And Precious is a fascinating case here because I think – there are very few players on this team who could benefit more from the 0.5 second ethos that Darko Ryakovic is going to bring to the team because like when he is making those quick 0.5 decisions, again, they're easy decisions, it's shoot or drive, and he's so unbelievably athletic that he doesn't need to have a whole lot else as far as like things he's wired to do as a player. I, I like when he's doing that it's great he just happens to be maybe the slowest decision maker on the team right now and so it's just got to be more quick fire I don't know how you school that I don't know if it's something you can teach necessarily but it's going to be on the coaching staff to figure that out um, you know he, he's just he's got a lot to offer in that sort of three and D wing profile and I've said it a million times the bar for his offense is not very high to make him a justifiable player to have on the floor and if he can figure out how to just kind of refine that overall spot up game, figure out a way to put the ball in the deck a couple times and make things happen. He only needs two dribbles to get to the rim. He's a bloody freak. And so in like the best possible way, I think it's possible for him 
Do I think I believe in it as much as I believe in Scotty's mid-range game? Probably not. Like, I think I've inadvertently ordered this episode as far as the guys we're talking about in terms of order that I actually believe they'll kind of capitalize on these swing skills. I think there's a chance Precious does it, but I don't quite bank on it as much as I would on Scotty figuring out the mid-range side of things, considering we've seen Scotty have some success from there before. We'll see, but it's uh, it's going to be a big year for Precious. And, you know, until we see what he can do with these types of, with this type of role, I am not in a rush to go and offer him, you know, an extension right now. Jarrett Vanderbilt money of four years, $48 million. I'm not itching to just like hand that to Precious right now to get that off the, the, the books for this season and figure and, and have that sort of figured out for down the line. I want to see like a full real season of Precious playing a role that he's actually suited to and then making the decision as to whether or not he's part of this team going forward. There might not be a single player whose individual future with the Raptors depends more on what happens this year than Precious Achua. And I'm uh, very excited to watch it. He's uh, thrilled to watch one way or another. But that, to me, the, the, the spot-up play is the swing skill for him, without a doubt. We'll come back, get into Gary Trent Jr., and a couple quick thoughts on some of the other younger guys that we're not going to spend full segments on because it's hard to do, but uh, we'll do that coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs, who make the most comfortable shorts in the whole wide world. Bird Dog stretch, stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And hey, the summer's coming to a close. That's fine. You still might need some shorts for the gym or your indoor sports activities. They can work for that as well. They are so versatile. They have gym, Oxford, khaki, all the different styles and cuts. And you can go and get yourself the right bird dogs for your situation. Maybe you're an indoor golfer. During, you go to the golf dome during the winter. You want to wear your bird dog shorts. You will be looking good and feeling great when you do that. And if you want some pants, they got joggers as well. I have a pair of their joggers. They are unbelievably comfortable. Cannot recommend them enough. They just make really comfortable clothes, full stop. That's what Bird Dogs is all about. You're not going to want to take them off. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA to enter the promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order as well. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, rounding out our discussion of swing skills for some of the more important developmental cases for the Toronto Raptors. Tomorrow we'll dive more into the core guys. Um, I said that this was going to be like a multi-week exercise. It might be like three days uh, over the next two weeks that we get into it. Um, we'll finish off the rest of the roster next week. Well, tomorrow we'll talk about Pascal and OG and Jakob Pertl and their swing skills. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dive all into that. Probably a little bit less interesting overall than the guys we're talking about today because they're young and potential filled and all that stuff. But uh, pretty bloody important no matter what, right? Like... How those guys fit around Scotty Barnes is going to be dependent on some of their swing skills as well. So that'll be tomorrow's show. Let's dive in now to Gary Trent Jr., though. For me, this one's clear. I know you could say playmaking is the candidate here for his swing skill. I just haven't seen enough evidence to suggest that's even a skill that's like realistically on the table for him. He doesn't have great instincts. He doesn't have like the, the passing angles down. He doesn't really seem to have like an urge to want to pass. 
And on this team, that's fine. Like on this team, Gary Trent Jr. is going to be a trigger man and a guy who has to finish plays. You got to have those dudes and he's going to have ample opportunity with the number of three point attempts that went out the door with Fred Van Vliet. Gary's going to step into a ton of those, I would assume, and you'd hope that he can hit it as 37, 38, 39% clip, and that'll be all hunky-dory and great. Um, as far as the playmaking, like I said, like I just I don't see, A, the history to suggest it's coming. I think there was regression there last season from him, honestly, and I just think there are going to be other guys who have the ball in their hands more often. You're going to have Yak working from the elbows. You're going to have OG maybe, you know, do with little dalliances into more self-creation. Obviously, Pascal and Scotty are going to have a ton of the ball. And Dennis Schroeder is going to have the ball a lot, too. And I would assume Schroeder is going to play quite a bit with Gary Trent Jr. in sort of second units. And, and Trent is going to be, again, a trigger man, a dude who's just got to let it fly from deep and try to really make his bones there. So I'm not putting playmaking as his swing skill. For me... Can he stay on the floor defensively if he's not being asked to be a chaos agent like he was under Nick Nurse? Like, I don't know what kind of defense Darko Ryakovich wants to run just yet. My assumption is it's going to be a little more conservative than what Nick Nurse was running out there because Nick Nurse ran maybe the least conservative defense we've seen in the modern NBA. So just by law of kind of regression to the mean, I think we're going to see a more scaled back approach. And... Gary Trent Jr.'s like real sole contribution last season on defense was deflections and steals and getting the, the transition game going. That was great. Like, nice to have it. But even with that, he finished top 20 in deflections this past season. He was all over the, 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 the steals charts, obviously. Even with all that chaos agent stuff, the Raptors were 3.1 points per 100 possessions better on defense when Gary Trent Jr. sat versus when he played last year per NBA.com. It's 2.1 points per 100 on cleaning the glass, which you know counts for garbage time and stuff. But still, they were worse with Gary Trent Jr. Uh, on the floor uh, on defense than they were when he was off. Um, you know, again, even with the steals, even with all of that stuff, he was painted as a negative defender by just about all the catch-all metrics. ESPN's box, box plus minus had him as like a minus 0.55. Like, not a good defender. Like, full stop. He's just not outside of the steals. And so, is there some sort of on-ball defensive chops he can kind of tap into this season? Because look, he's going to be asked to do that more often. He was not someone who was often asked to kind of defend an island, be the guy you'd throw against an opposing point guard very much last year. They had guys for that, right? Fred Van Vliet took that assignment. OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, Pascal Siakam sometimes, uh, and obviously Scotty Barnes. Like, they could take on those assignments. Without Fred and with Scotty Barnes coming in, with, with his defense being very much up in the air as an on-ball individual defender against smaller players... Gary Trent Jr. might get the responsibility of guarding opposing point guards this season quite often, and that could be trouble. If you look back last season at his numbers as an isolation defender, just to get a sense of what he is as a one-on-one -on -one defender, was not pretty. He ranked in the 10th percentile last year in isolation defense per the NBA.com's tracking data. Team scored a hundred, or sorry, 1.17 points per possession with him as an isolation defender last season. Not good and I just I don't know I really don't know with this one because I'm not certain that on ball defensive chops are a thing you can really teach yes you can try harder like effort is probably like 50% of defense 60% of defense even if you want to be generous like trying really hard can get you quite a long way but when you don't have long arms which Gary Trent Jr. doesn't really have when you don't have like great lateral quickness which Gary Trent Jr. doesn't really have I don't know what your ceiling can really be 
as a defender. If Gary can be just like a passable neutral defender, I think that's fine. His offensive punch, his three-point shooting and space that he provides will be valuable and he'll be able to, you know, pass on the floor, but you know, are we sure he can defend in the playoffs? We haven't really seen much of him in the playoffs, right? He played those couple games and was injured during that season series against the Sixers, and that's about all the sample we have. And I think his defense really is the thing that could play him not just off the floor, but kind of like out of the league as like a, a, a one of these sort of three and D type wings. If he doesn't have the D side of that things, that 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 thing, you can find shooting of his caliber pretty easily all around the league, right? And so the defense is going to be the thing that a the Raptors need from him to make him a viable piece in their in their core lineups. But also, if he wants to get paid, like the defense is going to have to come quite a ways. And I just don't know how that's going to come along in a defense that again is going to be less about setting Gary Trent Jr. loose to go and gamble for steals where you can actually make kind of a tangible impact on the box score, get the transition game going, all of that. If he's not doing that, if he's just playing standard one-on-one defense, I think it could get pretty rough. So, you know, I'm the least optimistic about this swing skill of the three guys we've talked about today, for sure. Could happen, you know, there's no doubt. And maybe his three-point shooting is just so valuable, it doesn't matter, and you can throw him out there. He's insulated by better defenders. Maybe Scotty becomes the point-of-attack defender that we hope and dream him to be, and it makes it easier on Gary. But as it stands right now, without seeing Scotty come in and, and sort of, you know, have that handle on the, the point-of-attack defense to use his length against smaller guards to a great effect, till we see that, I think Gary Trent Jr.'s defensive liability is going to be a thing that really is something you circle and say, eh, like this could be a bit of a weak point for this Raptors team and could be something that kind of undoes what should be a pretty good defensive starting five if, in fact, he ends up starting. We'll see. I think he should. We'll see. Who knows? Either way, I'm not super bullish on him getting there defensively, but that is the swing skill for him without a doubt. Uh, quick thoughts on a couple guys whose swing skills, again, like not like terribly meaningful for the overall health of the team this season. But Christian Coloco, it's a pretty easy one for me. The hands around the rim, the finishing around the rim. He's the biggest dude on the floor. Realizing that will be huge for him. He shot 56% inside five feet last season. That's just not good enough for a dude who's seven foot one. Um, you know, he's got to become more of a lob threat. He's got to be a better target on the roll. It's going to be harder because he doesn't have Fred Van Vliet to work with and not really a natural point guard to run pick and rolls with. Maybe Dennis Schroeder becomes a really good partner for him. I think that could actually work out quite nicely with the way Schroeder can get downhill. Um, but he's going to have to figure out a way to finish around the bucket. I think a lot of the other stuff Christian Coloco brings to the table is really exciting, but the finishing is going to be the determining factor for him. And then Grady Dick, you know, it's hard to do this with a rookie. We don't really know exactly what we're all working with here, what it looks like at the NBA. For me, the swing skill for him, you know, defense is one. Can he just be passable? Can he not get bludgeoned and bullied because he's a frail six foot foot eight beanpole right now? That's a big one. And then I just think like, the ways in which he chips in off, like outside of the shooting, right? The shooting's not always going to be there. There will be stretches where it doesn't fall for him, where the it's hard to get off because there's really good defense draped all over him because teams are going to be worried about his three-point threat. But can he make an impact when he's cutting, when he's hunting offensive rebounds, when he's relocating and running off pin downs and kind of causing havoc away from the ball offensively? That's the stuff that's going to determine Grady Dick's success. Again, a little harder to actually kind of hone in on swing skills for him until we actually see him on an NBA floor for a prolonged period. But just some quick thoughts there on Coloco and Dick to close things out. But the big ones here, Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr. A lot riding on these three dudes to kind of make this team make more sense. And uh, again, I'm pretty in on Scotty figuring out the mid-range. The rest of the game, we'll see how it comes along. 
I, as far as the the precious spot up stuff, anybody's guess like kind of roll the dice 50-50 to me. And then I think Gary Trent Jr. is probably like a 25% outcome where the defense really comes along and he becomes someone you're very comfortable with as like a, a point of attack defender. Well, we'll see. If it doesn't happen, uh, he's not really someone I'm looking to pay long-term. But we will figure that out over the course of this season. We'll figure out the other swing skills of these key players in the Raptors as we go through the next few episodes as well. We'll talk Pascal, OG, and Yak on Friday's show. So you have that to look forward to. And we will leave things off there. Also a reminder, coming up later today, ranking every Raptors back. I've got two videos that I'm uh, going to be shooting in the next couple days here. They take a bit to put together. I know I've been slacking on this. It might bleed into the season if I'm being totally honest. It's a lot of work for not a whole lot of payoff, but I really enjoy doing it when I have the time. So uh, ranking every Raptor will be back today. You had that to look forward to. That should be super fun. In the meantime, please follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, all that good stuff to help support the show. It's a free show. We don't ask for much. So please do those things, and I very much appreciate it. Also, you can uh, find the show on Discord. The link uh, for all our little listener community, family of sickos, is in the description of the podcast. Come hang out. We'd love to see you there. Find the show on Instagram. Find me on Twitter, X, whatever the hell we're calling it. And uh, we will leave it there for now. We will talk to you again on Friday with more Swing Skill Talk. Until then, thanks so much for hanging. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.